Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you. Um, before I start, I'd like to uh, just thank Christian and Melissa for inviting us here today. Uh, I met Christian actually just over five years ago, Ainsley and I did, and uh, we happened to be at Oxford Falls when they were set aside to come up to Noosa. And I was actually here for your first service, been here for nearly every birthday, except I missed this year. You have given to the vision builders, yeah, only because I believe in you guys. Uh, For those who don't know, about two years ago, it was actually this month, two years ago, Christian started working on my house. And in that time, um, as we put two Queenslanders together and built a a house, uh, Christian comes over. And one thing I'd like to tell you, because often you hear visiting uh, preachers always praise the senior pastors, you almost expect that, but you know what I mean? But the thing is, having worked many, many, many days with Christian, as um, I'm the, um, the builder and he's the carpenter, uh, and then I, I double up as the uh, labourer. Uh, <laughs> I know nothing about carpentry, as you can see. I put a saw through my hand. Um, but, um, but the whole time, I can, I can attest to... I'm a, I'm a great believer in sincerity of heart. Uh, it's one of the guiding principles I have. I find it hard to have friends who aren't sincere. Um, it's just it's one of my, I suppose, my def- um, negatives is because I really struggle with people that aren't sincere. And I can tell you, your senior pastors are very sincere. Uh, the number of times he's talked about how much, and I know how much he's loved and how much he's bled for this church. And um, through the conversations we've had, and he's a, a passionate, when you've got two pastors together though, how much work really gets done when you start talking about God? <laughs> And it's true, no, it's true. We start talking about something about God and that's it. There goes a couple of hours. <laughs> we thought about going on the block as the two pastors, um, but there we go. But we're not here to talk about that, but I just wanted to honour um, your senior pastors because they are the real deal. They, um, they, and, and I've been there when I've told him, to do, you know, this is how I want it done. And um, it doesn't make sense to his building nature, but uh, it makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and he, it's amazing. I've never seen him lose his cool, never seen him lose, you know, just a man of faith and a great, a great guy to be around. And I'm actually going to be saddened in a couple of months, hopefully when we finish our house, I'll have to come up with some, build the shed. Yes. Because <laughs> I enjoy my time when he comes over. Um, for better, for worse. You know, it's 28 years ago in June that Ains and I actually stood so, uh, side by side as my father, who's also a minister, um, uh, uh, married us and, and part of that was to say the words you know for better for worse for rich for poor for, in sickness and in health and when I think back to that 28 years ago they were you know when you're looking at this gorgeous girl who's just walked down the aisle uh, and, and you, your dreams are coming true they have words that are really quite easy to say you know what I mean you know, at, the t- at the time when you're saying you don't really think about it too much because you think how worse can it really be um, <laughs> how poor can it be? How, uh, sickness, how bad can that be? And uh, you don't really understand that. <clears throat> Isn't that right, Matty? Yeah. Um, who's recently, you, you'd be one of the most recent marriages here, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> the thing is, I found with us is that over the years, that really, those words really then start to ring out and ring out loud and true. But unfortunately, I, I, I'd like to speak to whoever wrote those vows originally and put them in. And ask him, what was he thinking? I'm assuming it's a guy. Um, but, uh, you know, whoever wrote him, you know, what were you thinking at the time? Because I think they really need to be revamped. 
and uh, because they, t- they look at it a positive and a negative, and, and today I want to just sort of debunk that for a, deg- uh, for a moment. This afternoon, I actually fly out to go to Townsville for a, an exercise um, up in Three Brigade, and one of the things I like about the Army is that they, they really love to dump you in a location blindfolded, or usually sticking in a truck and you can't see out of the truck, and they dump two of you together, and then they say, find your way back. It's always interesting because you don't actually know where you are. And, and it's a big training area, and so you sit there and you have to actually work out first, because you can't work out where home is until you work out where you are. And so it's about finding your position. And then, um, and, and so the thing about the, the, for me, I look at life, and life sometimes is about finding our position. And when we look at the first two questions God asked mankind, we find in Genesis 3 verse 9, he reads, And the Lord said unto man, he said to him, where are you? A very good question, isn't it? That's the first question God's recorded to have said to Adam. Where are you? Basically what he was saying, where is your position? Okay, where's your position in in, in relation to me? Not necessarily, are you in the Garden of Eden? No, he knew where he was. But he says, and, and Adam doesn't go, I'm here in the garden. He goes... I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He had moved his position in relationship with God to something else. The second question that God asked man was actually to um, to Cain. We read in Genesis uh, uh, Genesis 4 verse 9, And the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? What we see here is, the second question God asks man is about his purpose. So position and purpose. And often if we don't understand what those two things are in our life, and these get reconfirmed by Jesus when he's asked, what are the great commandments? He says, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, which is our position, and to love our neighbour as ourself, our purpose. And so to me, those two questions really sum up Uh, in a sense, what Christ or God asks of us, to understand our position and understand our purpose. I'm in the army and um, I go up this today and I'm going to be given a new role. I've never done this role before. I've I've studied for it, but I've never done it. And the army really enjoys um, changing your role all the time. It's just one of those things. As you progress through the army, they don't like you ever to be comfortable. They as soon as you feel like you've actually acquired the skill, they go and take you into a new job. And it's just, you, you never become a master of anything because as soon as you get there, they want to throw you in the deep end somewhere else. And it's this constant cycle of training and development. And what I want to look at, is this better for worse? I want to change it to some other things, and we'll talk about that shortly. But for better for worse, I look at the position and your purpose And remember, purpose has to have action. A purpose without action is just a thought. It's just a good intention. It's just something that you dream about. But purpose is something that you do towards that goal. It's like if you want to be a school teacher, as I do, you've got to go and do a grad dip in education. Without it, you're never going to be a school teacher. You can dream about it as much as you like, but you've actually got to go and do something. You've got to start preparing for something. What we see here is also is that Dating and, I remember dating and getting married, you know, they were great times, absolutely awesome times, but they were still only a dream of what was to come. 
I was preparing, but I wasn't really preparing all that well because I didn't really know what I was walking into. You know, Ainsley and I never lived together. Um, you, you start doing that and uh, things really start to dramatically change because you're used to your way and she's used to her way and all of a sudden you're living together. I'd never, ever, ever spent any time with anybody in bed. So when you first get married and all of a sudden you've got this other person in bed who sleeps differently to you, um, you know, there's a whole stack of things that start to change and, and, and expectations and stuff. However, if we want longevity in our relationship, what we need to understand is that life is a series of seasons. If we think that we go into marriage and that love is enough and the love that we have on day one is going to sustain us, then we're really not going to understand that better for worse, for richer, for poorer, for sickness and in health. If we want longevity, we need to first understand our position and then our purpose and to put the appropriate action into place. When we do that, what we then see is that we actually see us grow together instead of separate. I liken marriage actually to, um, remember the Apollo 13 failed mission to the moon, right? <laughs> Tom Hanks, if you ever listen to my, uh, when Ainsley texts me, it's, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, <laughs> so I know it's Ainsley and uh, everyone laughs. It's a bit of a joke. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but the thing is, when they, when they ricocheted around the moon and they came back, they identified that they were two degrees offline. And the first thing they had to do was a series of course corrections in which to get back online. If they hadn't have done that, that um, course correction, they would have missed the Earth by 170,000 miles, which is about 250,000 kilometres, which is a big miss, mind you. Okay, because the globe's not that big, you know what I mean? And uh, they would have missed it by a mile. Uh, but the thing was, they did these course corrections and came back online. But what they found was they weren't just offline, but they were too low because they hadn't taken enough weight because they were supposed to bring back 250 pounds of rock and so that they actually were underweight. So they had to do another series of course corrections. And I think that our humanity causes us in any, any relationship, whether it be with our children, whether it be with our parents, whether it be with our friends, that we automatically have a default two degrees of separation. That if we do not do course corrections and if we do not prepare and plan our relationships, we're going to end up like this. You know what I mean? Because it, this relationship, better for worse, is about understanding the course corrections that we need to continually be making. And without those course corrections, of course, our natural default mechanism is to go to me. That's, that's the, the sin of Adam and Eve. It's all about me. I think, I think back to the 80s and look at, you look at society and, you know, if we were to judge today on the, the 1950s, you know, I mean, we live in a completely different society. And I, and I think a couple of fundamental truths have come in, no, sorry, fundamental lies have come into our society. Remember the AMP ad to the most important person in the world, you? Created a whole culture that it's about me. You know, as a policeman, I hear, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, what about me? My re-answer is, it isn't fair. You know, dry your eyes, you know. But, you know, the next one was, um, was um, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. You know, that our answer of our spouse and those around me is to meet my need. How do you fit me? How do you complete me? But that's not what marriage was about. Marriage was about understanding our position and understanding our purpose. 
And if I was to ask, what is the purpose of marriage? The purpose of marriage is that you grow together in capacity to, to build generations with capacity to see the advancement of Christ in your world. That's the purpose of marriage. We see here that um, when, I, when I grew up, I grew up on a um, cane farm up in Bundaberg many years ago, and it was, it was interesting, you know, my, my uncle and my father were try, trying their hand out at farming, and um, we'd go and plant stuff. But, you know, the interesting thing about farmers is they never get to winter and go, oh, my goodness, winter is here. They never freak out because for them, winter means what? Preparation. It means plant, uh, plowing, fertilising, preparing for the beginning of spring. In spring, they go, it's time to plant. It's time to water. The gentle spring rains come through so that by the time it gets to summer, the plants have grown enough so that the heat of summer actually accelerates the growth so that when the autumn harvest turns up, they have plenty. But the problem is their lifestyle today is, and I get asked this a lot, not just in church, but in policing and, and, and all aspects of my life is, what's the five-minute answer? What's the three points to a good marriage? What's the three points to raising children? Because we want the quick fix solution and not the preparation. And I call that the lifestyle of air conditioning. About um, on the 3rd of May, just before Christian started working on my house and we were getting the bearers down, I got Brody, my son, and we were lugging this big six-metre beam of hardwood and it was about the, the 12th one. And they were pretty heavy, right? Um, big, thick, solid hardwood, 100-year-old timber beams. And on the last one, Brody has lost control and he's dropped it straight onto my big toe. Now, I danced around for a while um, appropriately <laughs> it was interesting my son just stood back and he knew exactly what to do don't talk to dad Ainsley on the ha other hand wanted to know how I was feeling I could hardly speak so I go up to the hospital and they tell me I've got a broken big toe okay lucky I was starting two weeks on holidays to do the renos but the problem is the next day I had the builder another uh, the, the builder that I'm using his license for and he comes along to lay all the bearers so I, I find a boot that I can actually put on and Ainsley wants to dope me up on painkillers. And I said, don't give me painkillers because then I won't know if I'm actually doing anything to hurt my toe. I need to feel the pain in order to make sure I don't do any more damage. Because sometimes when we take a painkiller, we actually mask the thing that we need to be aware of. That, and, and from that, I actually then, Christian came and helped on the house and I hobbled around, but I knew exactly that I wasn't doing any more damage to my toe uh, because I was aware, and I knew if I was overdoing it, I could slow down. I could pace myself. With painkillers, or what I call the air-conditioned lifestyle, is that we don't necessarily see or feel the seasons of our life. We get masked in our seasons. The painkillers of life, all they do is numb the pain and remove the growth potential. Because it's in our pain or it's in our discomfort that we actually grow. Um, some people are, you know, ask me about, you know, we, I have a busy schedule, but that's not because of anything that I have actually um, achieved myself. 
12 years ago, we just made a decision to live by the seasons. And as each season comes, we get slightly stretched and slightly stretched and slightly stretched. I often say, if you transported myself from 12 years ago into my lifestyle today, I think I'd be in the loony bin because I wouldn't be able to handle the stress of the life I live. But because I have learned to master the arts of the seasons and the season of growth, and this is where I want to change it from for better, for worse, let's change it to in harvest and in preparation. Or in sunshine and in rain. Or in blessing and in growth. The thing is that sometimes our preparation we find as a negative. Sometimes those times of growth we find as a negative. But if I say this, if you're a parent and you parent your child the way they were when they were first born, right through until they were 30, you would be a dysfunctional parent. It's pretty inappropriate to changing a nappy on a 30-year-old. You know what I mean? <laughs> but why, why does parenting change? Parenting changes because you have to be aware of the seasons of that child's life. The needs of that child's life changes. The demands of that child's life changes. So therefore, for you as a parent, if you're not changing with the seasons of that child, you're not going to be the parent that they need you to be. It's the same with husbands and wives. The wife I married 23, uh, 28 years ago is not the wife I have today. The wife I have today is better. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> but the wife I have today is better. Why? Because I have 28 years of for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. We've had times where we're in growth. And, and we're in a growth cycle right now, Ainsley and I. Um, we've, we've moved from our church at Suncoast to C3. And for us, that is now a time of preparation. We're outside our comfort zone. We were very comfortable where we were. We've been now transplanted. Being transplanted brings a whole new series of things to deal with and to navigate. It's a time of growth. I'm thinking of changing my career because I feel God's calling me to a more stable job, as in a Monday to Friday job with lots of holidays. Uh, <laughs> and I feel the call that there's a time coming where I can't be so consumed by shift work that I need to position myself. And this is about preparation again, a time of preparation, a time of growth, so that I can be positioned in the right place for the right purpose, okay? And this is this thing that we have in marriage. And if we put up that scripture in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 8, everything, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, a time to heal. That kill doesn't necessarily mean kill something, as in someone. It could be to kill something. I'm about to kill my career in police. Because I know there's a time coming where it does not fit my purpose in the kingdom. I need to kill it. And now I'm preparing to kill it. Okay? A time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to reframe from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tears, the time to sow, uh, sow a tear, sorry, a time to sow, 
a time to keep silent and a time to speak. That's a great one for husbands. <laughs> it's an excellent one. Knowing when to listen and when to fix. When you master that one, you master the art, I think. Just a, a quick hint there for guys. So I'll read that again. Time to keep silent or listen and then a time to speak or fix. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We see here one of the wisest men of the world has said that there is seasons in our life. And when we do not embrace the seasons of our life, and like, for example, like I, two days before Christmas, I put a circular saw through my thumb and cut three quarters of it off. The moment it happened, I'm in a new season. I'm in a new season. I could have sat there and I could have whinged about why did I do that? What was I thinking? Uh, that was a stupid move. Um, you know, th what's this going to cost me? And I could have moaned and groaned and whinged and, and sucked about it. But I looked at it. In actual fact, on the way to the hospital, I rang my boss up and I said, um, boss, uh, while she's here, um, yeah, I'm going to be on light duties for four months. I'd already preempted pre exactly what this season was going to cost me. I knew that I was going to go through a process of rehab. I'd identified it. So for me, it wasn't a, oh, yeah, it hurt like hell. It wasn't a pleasant experience, but I didn't shape, it didn't allow that circumstance to shape me. I shaped the circumstance. I took, I made the best out of it. So what I've done is I, during that time, I was able to do a lot of other things in the police that I couldn't do before, even though I hate being desk bound. Um, but for me, it was a time to prepare. It was to use a negative into a positive. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes in our seasons, whilst the seasons are painful, it's like going to the gym, they say, no pain, no gain. If you don't work hard and break down muscle, you're not going to build muscle. If you're not going to um, sacrifice buying stuff so you can save in order to do something, there's always a price for everything we do. Everything has a cost. And taking the negative aspects of our life, and you might be looking at your partner or your children or whatever in a negative light, because of what it means to you, I would ask you to just look at where is your position? And more importantly, who are you positioned in? You know what I mean? And then once you know where you're positioned, then you sit there and look at what is your purpose? And what do I need to do to achieve that purpose? So no longer are we defined. Uh, one of my favorite um, videos on, on Facebook is that one of the, um, the um, captain of the USS Montana. Has anyone ever seen that one? There he goes, he's on the USS Montana and he's on his blimp there's a little ship that's coming, direct contact, they're going to hit each other. And he goes, this is the USS Montana. I now demand that you move 15 degrees to the east. And the little boy comes back and he goes, no, sorry mate, you need to move uh, 15 degrees to the west. And he goes, this is the biggest ship in the North Atlantic fleet, you will move 15 degrees to the east. Uh, sorry, mate, this is a lighthouse, mate. Uh, <laughs> you will move 15 degrees to the west, but it's your call. The problem with the ship captain was he didn't know his position. He didn't know what was in front of him. You know what I mean? And at the end, he was making this declaration, you will move, but it's very hard to move a lighthouse. You know what I mean? And so, therefore, sometimes in our life, we're blaming something in the future, something that's in the distance, which is actually a warning for us. That they're guiding us to our, uh, our purpose. You know, and sometimes we can be so distracted by our current circumstances and our pain, and we want our pain fixed, that we don't see that through our pain we will grow. You know what I mean? So no, don't fear change. 
change, is, um, change management is one of the biggest things in industry today because people can't handle change. People and can't handle uh, circumstances as they, they you know, uh, morph all the time. Um, we become very comfortable. We want to be comfortable. Uh, I don't like a comfortable life. I find comfortable means that I've plateaued. And whilst plateau's okay when you're on holidays, I find plateau is a waste of time. You know what I mean? Really, it is just a waste of time. If you're not continually growing and moving forward in something, you're actually moving backwards. You know what I mean? And I, th I, I always go, um, has anyone here seen Axel Ridge? I know it was a pretty nasty, pretty nasty movie, but for those who don't know it, he was a, he was a conscientious objector who was going to get kicked out of the army. In the end, he won the battle and went there as a medic, an uh, unarmed medic. He was at the, the, one of the hottest battles for the, um, what's the island called again? Uh, wherever the island was, but it had a 400-foot drop cliff edge that they climbed up a cargo nets to get up to the top and then launched an attack against the Japanese who were dug in. Uh, uh, six attacks had failed. He's in, the, he's in the sixth attack, which fails. He stays up there because everyone else has fled, but there's all these wounded soldiers there. And the Japanese were going around shooting them all, okay? And he goes out and grabs one and then lowers him down five, 400, meter, uh, 400 feet down to the ground. So it's about 130 meters, okay? Lowers him to the ground. He goes and grabs another one. And this is all whilst Japanese are walking around shooting people. And he does it all the way through the night. And each time he, he was physically exhausted, each time he said, just one more just one more and what it showed to me was his determination he saved 75 americans lives by just going one more and i live that life now the life of what's next lord what's the next thing in your purpose what because I, I need to know where it is at the end of the day i just sort of need to know what's next because when you see what god may have in store for you it might freak you out but if you just understand that the next step is all I need to do, and that next step might be join a connect group. It could be simply um, go get some marriage coaching. It could be simply go and get, read a book on whatever it is that you need to read. It could be um, serving on team. It could be coming to church more regularly. It could be whatever it is is the next step, the next action, the next change that is going to transform your life. At, um, uh, yesterday, Pastor John said, if, if we were just to get up and pray each day for five minutes, it would transform our lives. You know what I mean? He said, give it a go. I guarantee you, I, 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 you won't be proving me wrong. And I think that's what it is. is the question you've got to ask is, okay, I'm not sure where my position is. I need to confirm that. Get my purpose, but what action do I need to take next? And when you take that action, particularly in relationships, you won't see it as for better, for worse, and now I'm in the worst phase of my relationship and you know I've got to suck this up because you know I can't leave him or her you know because I'm a good Christian and all that stuff and put yourself in a, a negative spiral the question you could ask is what do I need to do to grow through this experience so that we can become better together you know what I mean we see that um, you know the pilot flying to Hawaii which is only a small island out in the middle of nowhere he doesn't go, oh my goodness, how am I going to land on there, right? He knows where he's going. He knows where he's starting. He knows where he's finishing. But the interesting thing is, if you ask most of these pilots, they're actually off course about 90% of the time. 
The reason for that is wind flows, uh, they're trying to um, miss certain areas, they might have traffic routes they've got to do, but they're not actually on target for 90% of the time. The whole time they're doing course corrections. But the interesting thing is, these course corrections and all that sort of stuff that they have to navigate through, he knows exactly where he's heading, or she's heading. And so therefore they're going to land on Hawaii. You don't see too many pilots not land on Hawaii who are aiming to go to Hawaii, because they know exactly what they've got to do to get there. And often what we've got to do is just ask ourselves, what's our next step? What's my next thing I need to do? In, in, in whatever the circumstances that makes you feel that you may be in the four worst category. Because it's so easy when we're in the for, for better category. Because that's easy. But I'd argue, how much growth do we do in the for better? Okay, there was a, um, they were trying to look at how they could cultivate a, um, build, plant trees on the moon. So they did this biosphere number two in, in Arizona. What they did was they planted all these trees to see whether that would actually produce oxygen uh, in, 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 uh, in space. What they found was the trees would grow to a certain height and then fall over. And the more they repeated it, they couldn't work out what was actually happening. What they found was the wind is what makes trees strong, not the tree itself. It's the gentle and the rough wind that blows against the tree that actually forces the tree to have a stronger trunk. It's the pressure and it's the, it's the force against that forces the tree to grow more prosperously. Okay? If you have that image in life, if you want an easy life, you'll end up like a tree that's fallen over. Absolutely useless. That's a useless life. If you want to be a tree of substance that grows tall and straight, you're going to need times of growth. That's the for worse. The worse makes you grow. Um, it's a bit like, um, a bit like, like I was saying with the army. You know, the army just loves challenging us all the time in skill sets that we don't have in order to make us better in the things that we need to do. I think God is exactly the same. He wants us to be bigger. He wants us to be better. Could you imagine a world where the church is the shining example of relationships? Could you imagine what that would do to the world? Today, one of the greatest things that we fail at is relationships in the world. We have most people doing Facebook who say, I've got 1,500 people on my Facebook page. I am well loved and have heaps of friends. But in actual truth, they, um, most people are very, very lonely. You know what I mean? Very, very lonely. Is the reason I say that is because I believe that God created us for relationships. And as Michael J. Fox said at the end of that video, family is not something, it's everything. And that's because God created humanity for relationship. So in your relationship, just look at it not as a negative, but look at it as a time of growth. What do we need to equip ourselves with as the music team arrives? Turn the air conditioner off. Stop taking the painkillers figuratively, <laughs> turn the air conditioner off, ta stop taking the painkillers and embrace whatever it is that God is putting you through because when you get through it, you will be stronger and you'll be better for it. But just bear in mind, he'll put you through something else because he is about building your capacity. He's about building your influence. He's about building your representation to your families, to your friends, to your work colleagues. He is about building the church is unashamedly about building your growth. And growth will always have growth, pangs, and pain with it.
when you understand where the growth comes from, then you'll, you won't see the full worst as a negative. You'll see it as just a time of preparation for what is about to come. Understand your season, which is your position, and prepare for your purpose that you have been given. Ask yourself, what's my next step? And if you're new here today, your next step might be just, could be just to start the journey. If you, if you don't know who Jesus is, that could be the position. And I can tell you, this is a church that will tell you where Jesus, who Jesus is. And if, so if you're new here today or you've, you've um, spent some time away or you don't feel that you may, you, you, you're concerned whether you will go to heaven if, if Christ was to return right now, this is a time where we, we just offer that you can make a commitment to understand who Jesus is. And it just starts with a decision. A decision to do something different. To be something different. And more importantly, be aligned to something different. If you're new here today, and with every eye closed and every bow, head bowed, or if you've, uh, you've, you haven't been walking so, so you know, so rightly with Christ or you feel that you're not certain in a moment I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you or anything but just that action of putting your hand up says I want to know who this Jesus is is there anybody here today that would like to make that decision if you would just just put your hand up and just just say I want to know who Jesus is or I want to recommit to Jesus or I want to confirm that I am right with Jesus. Is there anybody here that would, uh, would like to take that opportunity? Maybe everybody here has made that decision, I'm not sure. But on another, another side, what about those who just don't know their position or don't know their purpose or don't know their next step, more importantly, who would, like to, who would like to make a step in the right direction for the purpose that Christ has called them to, would you like to raise your hand? Yeah, thank you very much, yeah. The act of doing something actually changes the spiritual realm. Don't be bold, oh, sorry, be bold. Be brave, be honest, be real. I can tell you right now, I'm asking that same question. What's my next step? I'm always asking that question. Just think today, what is your purpose? What is, sorry, your position, what is your purpose? And ultimately, what's my next step? What am I going to do different this week that is going to be in tune to where I need to go? Because I can tell you, if you do not take an action, then you will remain as you are. And if you're not happy where you are, then you need to take an action. At the end of this service, um, Ainsley and I will be here to pray for people. Um, for those who want to just have prayer about their next step. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.